Welcome to the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast podcast, the podcast where we apply the science of mastering skills faster, stories of successful people, life hacking concepts, and other cool stuff to the sport of beach volleyball. If you're someone who is serious about getting better at the sport and wouldn't mind accelerating your learning curve and career with ideas that have been previously hard to find within the beach volleyball space, you'll probably like it in here. I'm Alex, the host of the podcast as well as the creator of the bigger Learn Beach Fall Fast project. Now, let's get started. the podcast or welcome to the podcast if you happen to be here for the first time. I'm Alex and uh, I hope that you're having a great day or if you happen to have a not one of the greatest days I hope that we can make it better with this episode <laughs> um, with some uh, volley nerding and some maybe fascinating interesting topics. At least I get a lot of happiness when I learn something that's really interesting and useful about something that I care about. So if I walk and listen to a podcast about beach volleyball and I have these like aha moments, like something really clicks and and I really realize and understand something, then <laughs> that definitely makes my day better. So let's hope we can make something like that happen for you today. Uh, this is going to be an episode that's going to be different but not different. So what that means is that it's going to be different from the previous episodes that I've so far released on this podcast uh, in the way that I won't have a guest on this episode. Uh, This episode will be me rambling about volleyball and uh, hopefully saying something good. Uh, (laughs) But it's not going to be different in the bigger picture because my plan is to in the future have both episodes with guests and episodes uh, with myself. So these episodes with myself are basically going to be about topics that I find really interesting and important and useful and have uh, helped me in my career a lot and uh, that I wanted to share. So a little bit of background to that is when I started the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast project, it was only a YouTube channel in the beginning. And then later it expanded into a podcast also. And the reason for this is that... Um, <laughs> so the stuff I wanted to share in this project were a lot of different stuff. It was technical things about how you play volleyball, how you put your platform together, how you hit the ball, whatever it might be. Uh, to tactical stuff, to mental stuff, to also something that I would want to call career strategy or just like how you think about your beach volleyball career, whether you call it a career or not, you're still on a journey towards becoming a better player. Uh, So just how you think about that because... (laughs) It sounds like a weird concept, but you can make a lot of difference actually in how fast you get to a point. Let's say that you have a goal and and it's going to take you a few years to get to that goal. If you spend a little bit of time thinking about how to get there a little bit quicker, uh, 
you might save a lot of time. And uh, this is going to be one of these episodes. So I started a YouTube channel and I quite quickly realized that when I did the videos that were more technical about how to play the game, people were interested. And then when I made videos where I just talked about these nerdy things about how you can think about your beach volleyball career, uh, <laughs> they basically just became these long videos um, that people didn't really watch. Like some people did watch them, but they still today don't have a lot of views. And uh, some people did watch them and, and actually really liked the message. So, so I realized that it's not that the message sucks or that these things that I find really fascinating aren't fascinating for other people. It's just that people don't want to sit and watch a YouTube video that's, I don't know, 40 minutes long or however long it might be. So that was actually the first thing that made me want to start the podcast was because I realized for my, in my perspective, for me, it's much easier to listen to a 30-minute podcast than to watch a 10-minute YouTube video. Sure, the 30-minute podcast is longer, but I do that while I walk to places, while I commute, while I do my dishes, whatever. So it's it's easy to consume this kind of content. While as if I watch YouTube videos, I sort of need to sit down and actually watch it and, and uh, t- block off some specific time for that. So... I realized that I should start the podcast to uh, share about these topics on the podcast uh, and then sort of as a, I mean, sort of as an afterthought, most podcasts do have interviews. So I started, I thought, well, that's great. I mean, I can also interview people and and uh, <laughs> because that's great in in so many ways, like I get to know people I get to learn from people like we can you and me we can learn together from people and the bigger the podcast becomes the easier it becomes for me to to get these guests on and and whatnot so there's just a lot of benefits with having a podcast I realized so so I needed to, to expand the YouTube channel to this also anyway that was maybe enough about the background story let's move towards what we're actually going to talk about in today's episode um Actually, as I'm recording this, I haven't word for word decided what this episode is going to be called. But it's going to be called something like the biggest personal development, the personal development concept that most people in the beach volleyball world miss. Okay, I'm going to have to make that shorter, but something like that. So what (laughs) a big part of how I do this project is. I learn from other places uh, that have put a lot of thought into optimizing things. So, because I want to optimize beach volleyball, I want to opt- I want to get you and me and everyone to learn the sport faster and more efficiently, so we can have more fun even quicker, and we can love the sport even more. Uh, but to optimize that process. I realized that we can learn from people that have optimized other things before us and sort of translate these concepts into beach volleyball. And that's, <laughs> in, in one sort of way, that's, that's kind of what I do. And that's kind of like, it's not everything I do in this project, but, but it's, it's a big part of what I do. 
and a big part like some of the things you guys say oh this is so smart why has no one told me this before and it's literally just like I almost feel like I cheat sometimes because I just took it from some other guy and translated it to Beach Volleyball and and here I am sharing this content Uh, although some of this stuff I also come up with myself but so for example in business there has been people have been doing business for forever and there has always been a big money incentive for business people to to optimize their processes so that they don't lose money so that they can make more money quicker so that they can then develop their business even more and make even better products and uh, whatever their goal might be to make even more money or their goal might be to change the world into a better place whatever it might be optimizing is usually good so for example you can go and read business books and they usually just talk about how to optimize processes and uh, then you can take this to beach volleyball another place a lot of people also think a lot about their lives how to make their lives better personal development self-help whatever you might want to call it Uh, you can also take a lot of these concepts and translate them to beach volleyball so that's what I have done and that's what we're going to do today. Um, so one of the concepts that has helped me a lot that I constantly keep, like I'm so happy I learned this thing because almost every day like it helps me take decisions better. Uh, but the concept is called opportunity cost. So what's opportunity cost? Basically, if we look at opportunity cost at at a simple level this is an example of opportunity cost if you go to a job where you make let's say ten dollars an hour then you can work there and you can make money so you work 10 hours and you make a hundred dollars and you work a month and you you make more and more and more so your what you're doing is not worthless you're actually doing stuff and you're making money for it. So there is clear value in what you do in some sense. Where opportunity cost comes in is if, for example, would you not have been so busy doing this job, you would have had time to talk with a friend of yours that actually needed some help with some other type of business or job or whatever where you could have made $20 an hour. Let's say that you would have had to do a one-day training with this guy. So that basically means that the first day you would have been working for free, but already the second day you're making twice twice the amount of money. So after two days, uh, first day was free, second day you made, made double. So after two days you've actually made as much money as with the old job that you got $10 an hour for and day three and onwards you're making now more money than with your old job. So this means that there's an opportunity cost in staying in the lower paid job. Uh, And really the reason opportunity cost is so sneaky is because we're not going from nothing or something that hurts you into something that helps you because if we're only trying to get money 
being unemployed is not going to make us money. It's going to cost us money because we, we have expenses. So it's better to get a job. So that's a clear, it's easy for the mind to, to, to see that thing. But opportunity cost, we, we have to say no to something that in some sense is good for us to go for something even better. And this is where it gets sneaky. And this is, we often don't see these possibilities as humans. And this often makes us go for what we're familiar with, what, with what works in some sense. But we usually don't take the time to explore for even better options and even better possibilities. And then sometimes, even if we can see these better options and possibilities, we don't dare to make the changes needed to happen to, to go for this better thing. Uh, so it's a sneaky concept. Now, there's even more to this because it can also be multi-layered in a sense. Because in this first example, we only talked about money. But in reality, your life is so much more than money. You have your health, you have your friendships, you have your relationships, you have your happiness, you have your beach volleyball, you have, you have so many things. So all of a sudden, if we add to this... Um, example that we had if this $20 an hour job makes you really unhappy and unhealthy somehow maybe you get injured from it which means that now you're you're injured so you can't play beach volleyball you're also very unhappy you lost some health now you're sluggish on the court and so if beach volleyball is a really important part of your life then this might be might be a stupid thing for you. Because if the $10 per hour job instead actually allowed you to... <laughs> okay, uh, this is actually something I did before. If this $10 an hour job allows you to listen to podcasts while you're working, <laughs> like you could be working right now, then actually you're getting paid for something that let's hope that it also makes you a little bit fitter uh, it doesn't destroy your health it doesn't destroy your happiness and you can listen to podcasts at the same time well you might be making less money than the 20 dollar per hour job but you're learning stuff for your beach volleyball which might be meaningful for you um, you get healthier and you get happier and all sorts of benefits so all of a sudden, now it can actually be stupid to take this $20 an hour job. <laughs> so opportunity cost is really, it's simple, but it's but in, in practice, it's really complex. And you really have to think about a lot of different layers to really sort of understand what is the best and what is not, etc., etc. And as I said before, then you also have to, once you see these possibilities, you also have to dare to take the decision to go for this other option. Okay, so now that you hopefully have a little bit of an idea about how opportunity cost uh, works, and basically the concept of it and how it can work in your life, let's start having a look at some uh, volleyball examples. So the one I'm going to start with, which is maybe the most classical one that a lot of people have encountered, is um, is it better to play beach volleyball or is it better to train beach volleyball? Because I think um, <laughs> most people agree that you can get better at beach volleyball by doing both of these activities. 
you can play games and 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 after half a year of playing games you're probably going to be a better beach volleyball player uh some people are also going to argue that if you train and train and train and train and train for half a year you're going to become a better player um that's a little bit questionable uh depending on how you train um and then people some people are going to say that the best is a combination and all of these are all of these make you get better uh but here the opportunity cost really becomes a question of what do you need what do you need now like do you need the type of skills that you get from playing games or do you need the type of skills that you can get not necessarily from playing games but training more so it's it's really that simple there's an opportunity cost in both of these and if you do the wrong thing when you need the other thing because of your unique situation then you're doing the opportunity cost uh, mistake basically okay and second example is going to be sort of related to that it's going to be training with false ideas on how the body learns things versus how it actually learns things uh, <laughs> i need to explain a little bit more basically uh, as i said before if you just train 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 for half a year some people are gonna argue that that's not actually gonna help you a lot and there's some truth to that because for training to have good value you also need to understand how your body learns things and how things actually transfer to the game later a lot of people have experienced that you you go and train something you drill something you drill a skill blah blah, blah and you sort of learn the skill in the drill but then the day after when you go and play the game you're doing your old so-called wrong technique again and this the skill that you trained yesterday didn't actually transfer to the game and uh, this is this is then a problem and, and some people think that oh shit this this training stuff is not really worth anything it's it's stupid uh, so here the opportunity cost is really training without understanding how your body learns because <laughs> you could argue that it's worthless to do that um, versus if you know how your body learns you know the process you know how to make these skills transfer to the game later then you're just going to get a lot more value from your training hours but the sneaky thing is that it's probably still going to feel for a lot of people like you're doing something good for your beach volleyball because you are training it is what you're supposed to do it's looking good for some people whatever it might be it might feel good it might feel like you're doing something for your beach volleyball career so there is benefit some types of benefits to also training without understanding how to transfer the skills to the game but there's a huge opportunity cost uh, when you could instead be training much better all right next one uh, i wrote down listening to the advice versus just doing uh, so here's it's more of a time cost type of thing because <laughs> i know there's a lot of people that for example they come to a practice and uh, they have a coach that they think talks too much uh, so they don't want to listen to this coach and they just want to start doing things uh, they just want to 
practice at practice. And uh, this is a completely natural and very normal. And I'm I'm not looking down at this at all. And I'm this way myself also sometimes. Sometimes I come to practice and I really want to move. There's a lot of different reasons people come to beach volleyball practice. But anyway, in the in one sense, <clears throat> if you just start doing something and you're just repeating what you've always done, which if, if you're not a top-level player or if you're not a very good player or you're not the best player in the world, you, there's going to be stuff that you can do differently that will make you a better player. So if you just continue doing what you're doing, you're basically just repeating these things. Instead, what if you actually did take some time to listen to possibly new ideas by a coach or whatever, and uh, then you tried to do things differently? If the advice that this coach gives, then it's good, then that's probably going to be a better bet for you opportunity cost-wise, time cost-wise, than just going on and repeating <laughs> repeating what you've done. Um, but in the short term, like, let's say that extreme example, coach explains something for an hour, which actually in a sense I'm doing in, in this podcast episode, but coach is explaining something for an hour and then you get 15 minutes to practice after that and then day after you have to play a tournament. Well, maybe in those 15 minutes after the one hour lecture, you're not going to have time to implement all of these things. So it would actually have been better for the tournament tomorrow that you would have uh, not listened to this coach for an hour. Maybe just listened to him for him or her for two minutes and then practiced one hour and 13 minutes uh, because then you're just going to be better prepared for tomorrow's games. Uh, but in the long run it might be the complete opposite because what if this one hour thing, you know, lecture that the coach gives is just hyper valuable in the long term, then it becomes a better opportunity cost wise to just listen to him. And um, <laughs> I've struggled with creating this, this project uh, because of this, because I know that some of the things I've explained or made videos about or whatever are really valuable and it's worth taking the time to explain them properly and fully. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there that have been like, hey, Alex, like your videos are just too long. Yeah, I, I, no one can listen to them. And that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's true. It's, but at the same time, there are people that are listening to them. So probably, I mean, since you're here, you're listening to this right now, you probably have a little bit more of a patience mind and you see the value in listening to things that can really change your perception on, on things. So in a sense, I, I took the decision to, to not really change my style. I, I've gotten better. I've started making my videos so that they're more engaging, so that Maybe some of these people that get bored really easily still sort of watch more of them and then get sort of sucked into this world because it's just a different way of teaching. Uh, either you give quick advice that might or might not be true or you take the time to go in depth into things 
and discuss the what ifs, what what nots, and and all the small details so that you truly understand the topic. But the thing is that it takes time, and uh, time has a cost. Uh, but the bet is that in the long run, it's going to pay off. But in general, this is a huge one that I see happen is so much in the beach volleyball community, both at practices and, and whatnot. But just like people just show up, they don't listen to the coach. Uh, they continue doing the same mistakes they've always done. And then they just get stuck in and it never changes. And, and that's just <laughs> that's just how it is. So somehow, don't ask me how, <laughs> the other day when I had my microphone set up and I was recording this episode, I managed to miss uh, one of the most important examples of this episode and also two more things later in the episode. So sorry, I'm going to record them today with this different setup. I hope you don't mind the sound quality change too much. Now let me jump into the example. Okay, this example is training with false ideas and specifically about technique and strategy in the game. It's very related to the example before, but slightly different. So I think one of the biggest reasons for why false ideas about technique and strategy exist are because they are basically instruction pieces that helps beginners become intermediate very efficiently. But the problem is that when you then look at players at the highest level of the game, they actually don't follow this advice, at least not with 100% perfection every single time. So then these ideas about technique and so forth sort of become misleading if you apply them too rigidly. So here is where it comes becomes an opportunity cost thing, which is that if you take a beginner and you maybe over explain things too much for them, then <laughs> they don't learn so efficiently because it's just too much thinking for them, too much at the same time, whatnot. But then also if you take an intermediate player and really drill into them that this is the, the right thing to do, this is the technique you should be using, etc., 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 you're sort of drilling them to do something that is actually not optimal, which definitely has an opportunity cost as well. And just to list out two other reasons why I believe that these false ideas about technique and strategy exist, I think one of these reasons is very connected to the previous example about having the time and the energy to listening to coaches explain or not. Basically, a lot of these false ideas are very easy to explain quickly. Uh, and I think it's driven by people just not wanting to listen to long explanations, people not having a very long attention span, not really liking to hear details, etc., etc. It's just this mindset of, of quick fix, basically. Uh, that then just drives coaches to find shorter and shorter and shorter answers, which is good. Uh, there's this uh, quote by, I think it's Einstein. He says, uh, explain everything as simple as possible, as simply as possible, but not simpler. And the important point here is, but not simpler. So simple explanations are good, but you should never oversimplify because then you are dumbing down the message uh, or leaving out some important details. So to sum that up, I believe that the second reason why this false advice exists is that it's just quicker to explain and people don't like listening to long explanations. The third reason for why I think this exists is simply just lack of knowledge in the coaches. 
uh, I the more I look into this sport, the more I understand that it's hyper complex. Like it's it's so easy to miss crucial details. <laughs> like so easy. And and when you look at the conventional wisdom in beach volleyball, it misses so much. Like yes, it has a lot of things right. Like some of the general advice you can find is there is a lot of good good stuff in it but it doesn't have the answers for everything because if it had people wouldn't get stuck at a middle level like so many players get stuck in the sport at some sort of intermediate level and then they're just there for the rest of their lives and this wouldn't happen if the conventional wisdom in beach volleyball was actually good and then here's another layer to this that just fires it up even more uh, coaches in general there's something called authority bias which basically means that when someone with authority says something we as humans are more prone to believe that they must be right just because they have put so much more thought into this than than i have they are the expert they are whatever so then we just like tend to not question these people um, even more than than what's logical so that's authority bias. We just, okay, coach said this, it must be true. So, and the thing is that it's very easy to get this authority bias in beach volleyball. You basically just need to be a coach. And then some beginner player is going to think, okay, here's the coach. What he or she is saying must be the truth. So <laughs> you get a lot of people with this coaching authority bias explaining over and over this half true, half false ideas about technique and strategy that work a little bit but not completely and then they spread that and then these players get really stuck in that this must be the truth because coach told so and then you know and nobody else is doing anything different because that's most people are following this this advice and <laughs> and it becomes sort of a general everyone in the community thinks at this level and you just like confirm each other that okay this is how it is and the other person agrees and and then you just sort of get stuck in these false ideas and time continues maybe one of these players then becomes a coach and continues explaining the same the same ideas over and over to to a new generation of players so <laughs> i believe that the beach volleyball community sort of is stuck in certain ideas and it's really difficult to get get out of this just because of this this combined effect of it all and the way i realized that there's something fishy in in the beach volleyball community and the instruction that's given i understood that when i started having coaches different coaches with a lot of authority that actually said uh, conflicting gave me conflicting advice about something for example passing or hitting or whatever they would basically say you should one person would say you should do this and not that and the next coach and says the complete opposite and I and as a player you just get super confused and you're just okay, okay so what should I follow uh, this really <laughs> led me into starting to look deeper into these things and trying to understand these things on my own I know that other people have struggled with this conflicting advice things also and so my strategy as a coach is because i know that it's this sport is complex and i try to update my models my explanations more and more and more and more 
Uh, I do a lot of things to, to try to not spread this so-called misinformation. But what I also like to do is explain why I believe in something. Uh, one that is good for, uh, well, again, it takes a little bit of time to explain why you believe in something. But once a person understands the why behind why I want them to pass in a certain way or whatever it might be, well, one is that it gives them more motivation to actually do this, which is great for me as a coach. It's good to have motivated players. The second thing is that usually this conflicting advice I found between different coaches were just conflicting advice with no why explained by any of the, these coaches. So I had no idea how to sort of even start thinking about which, which advice has more, is, is smarter, is better. But if I explain for someone that, okay, I want you to pass this way because of this, so they know the reason for why I teach them that, then if they have another coach that teaches them something differently and also gives them the reason for why they believe so, well, now the player that has received the conflicting advice not only has the conflicting advice, but also two different theories for why you should follow this thing. So then it becomes just much less confusing <laughs> for the player to, okay, here's two different reasons. This seems to sort of make sense. And maybe in some other situations, the other coaches, that's actually what I found a lot of times, is that usually this conflicting advice, they're both right. It's just in different situations and nobody explained that, okay, in this situation you should do this, uh, but in this other situation maybe this is better, etc. So I hope this is making some sense and I hope you're starting to understand why I don't like quick explanations or oversimplified explanations. I like to th keep things simple, but not too simple because it just leads people into false ideas about things and that's just uh, hurtful. But yes, if we think about opportunity cost again, quick explanations that might be half false are good when they're needed. For example, when we talk to beginners that can't listen to long advice and, and just need to get a little bit better right now so that they get motivated and want to stay with the sport. But when we teach intermediate players to get into the higher levels, this quick false advice, according to me, is uh, kind of dangerous. Now let's get back to the original recording. Okay, next one. Attending social events or not. Uh, so in the beach volleyball, unfortunately, is a little bit of a segregated sport between levels. Uh, the best people kind of tend to stay with the best people. And uh, then there becomes some sort of second level. And those also want to stay with the second level people or the best people if they're, if they're lucky. And then it just doo -doo 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 goes down the ladder. And... Uh, and it becomes sort of a hierarchy. And uh, this is a topic in itself. It's, it's a little bit bad for the sport because uh, it's easier to, to, to learn if you also get to know the, the people that are better than you and learn from them and, and every now and then get to play, play with them. But one of the solutions that I've seen towards this is at least my home club sometimes has social events which basically means that everyone's there having fun with each other. Um, <laughs> some sort of joke games, whatever, hangouts, stuff that... It's just fun. 
And the question then is, so for the for the beginner player, this is a pretty given that it's a good idea to go to these events because you get to know people in the community, you get to play with players that are better than you, you get to learn from them, etc., etc., etc. There's there's almost only uh, only good points about this. But what if you're a better player and by going to social event like this? Uh, you're basically forced to play volleyball at a lower level than than you're used to and that you want to. Uh, then one could argue that it's better spent time uh, continuing training with your group and not going to the social event. Uh, and at some level, I think that's true. But there's also there's also good things about going to these social events. One big one is that they're just fun. Like every now and then, it's just. I think just good for your mind to play volleyball without being so serious about it and just uh, joke around and, and sort of see a lot of different types of players play with a lot of different techniques that you you don't see normally and whatnot. You see the beginners do all sorts of weird weird stuff that you haven't seen in a long time. And <laughs> that can just be fun. But more than that, contacts are just good in general. Like sometimes there's going to be some beginner lower level player that works with something that's really interesting and because you go to the social event you end up talking to this person and you guys end up figuring out that what he does or she does for work can somehow help you in some amazing win-win way and whatnot and whatnot so there's really all sorts of weird value in just (laughs) meeting people and meeting people with where you have something in common with them, which in this case is, is beach volleyball, and just talking about your goals, your wishes, your wants in life, where you're heading, and just being open about it to people because all of a the sudden there's going to be someone out there uh, that you just happen to play with that, that can help you somehow. So it might feel like a waste of time, but quite often if you just let... Uh, chance and uh, the the power of social contacts work for you quite often these events these social events can be really 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 good for you way better than you thought from the beginning another example that i want to talk about is accepting the training structure that is given to you Uh, and usually this is by basically the whatever happens to be available in your area. So it might be the beach volleyball club or some coach or whatever. They might have some sort of prepackaged structure of training groups or whatever that you can just join. And this, of course, is good for your beach volleyball career. You can get better in these groups. (laughs) However, what most people don't think about is that there is other options and um, somewhat often people get frustrated in these groups because uh, sometimes they have to train with people they don't want to train with sometimes they get assigned to a coach that they don't want to be coached by sometimes um, all sorts of things can happen Uh, at least the clubs that I've been involved with also there's this um, there's these levels of the training group. So basically you you get assigned to your level by the club. And <laughs> this can cause a lot of drama. 
because some people get assigned to a level that they think they deserve to be at a higher level and then they look at someone that's in the higher group and like hey well this why is this person in this group but not me blah blah, blah. and then there's just all sorts of drama happening um this in combination with that you 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 might not depending on the coach and how the coach works but you might not be really in the destiny of how, what you're going to learn in this training period whether it's summer or fall or spring or whatever it might be uh so there is other other options uh, you can you can no matter what the club in your local area says or has has for for you served for you you can put your own training groups together and you can talk with people that you like training with and you can discuss with them what how what you would want to train and how you would want to train that and uh, you can become friends with these people and you can solve how you can train what you want to train and that person can train what they want to train and the third person can train what they want to train and it's possible to make all of this happen beautifully <laughs> together with no drama which just gives all of you guys more volleyball skills per hour that you put into training uh <laughs> it's it's kind of funny i i was on a phone call just yesterday with a friend that's also likes to think about these things a lot and and he basically said that uh he said that because uh, i asked him about some stuff about the the volleyball club where where he is and uh he said yeah th there is a lot of drama and uh but i don't give a shit he said i have i walk into the into the facility I have my own training partners that I discussed with before. I know what I'm going to go train. I just walk in, say hey to them, say hey to everybody else also, but don't get involved in their drama. I go and have my practice with my people, uh, learn a lot, and uh, then I walk away happily. Uh, so so th there, is, there is no need to, to be stuck in this... Uh, sometimes drama situations and sometimes just situations where you don't get to practice the way you want to practice oh yeah another thing was sometimes these practice groups you just don't get enough practice time uh, and for whatever reason human laziness or whatever some people think that okay if the club is going to give me two practice sessions a week that's what I'm going to do because I'm not going to do more than that uh, for some reason, the human mind seems to work like this, but this is, of course, not true. You can, you can practice on your own outside of the, the, <laughs> the club planned practices. For example, uh, you can be there every day. You can do alone sessions. You can do all sorts of stuff. Okay, so here's another add-on I wanted to make this episode. Basically, what I'm saying here is that you can train on your own without coaches to get in extra sessions. But the thing is that. Quite often, it's, it's common that people want to have a coach because one, they might not know what they should practice if they practice by themselves. And also some groups are just like hard to manage without a coach. Like there is some value in just having a coach to sort of make sure the group works and make sure everybody shows up and, and that there's a plan and it just can help with like 
hierarchy in the, in the group that there is an authority that sort of leads the group. And some people get then stuck in that, okay, if I don't get the coaching for that my club or the community here offers, then I don't have a coach. So then I can't train with a coach. This, according to me, is false. Probably way more often than people believe you can actually reach out to the local coaches and ask if they would be willing to set up an extra group outside of the club, outside of whatever, like a freelance group. And uh, often they are happy to do this. So then you just discuss with this coach and everyone involved in your group what you want to practice and how, etc. And uh, then you get going and it's usually the coaches like it and uh, it's good for you guys as players. But then unfortunately, I know that there's also places that don't have coaches or don't have coaches that you want to get coached by. So here I need to just add a small little pitch for myself. In case I am a coach that you would trust or think uh, has something to come with or could be valuable for you, I do offer also online coaching. And uh, online coaching is interesting. It actually works way better than people at first imagine. And I would actually, I love working long term with people. So for example, if you would have a wish that, okay, you want to train hand setting or, or hitting or serve receive outside of the community's training groups where you are located, then I love just putting these like long term plans where we follow up uh, on Skype calls uh, we discuss what you're working on, we discuss how you should be working on it, and then I let you go and do that, and then we follow up, see, see how it went. It's actually even possible to have uh, with video calls nowadays on the phone, on the court, so you can actually get some <laughs> real-life feedback on the court. Um, it's kind of weird, but it's, it's actually possible nowadays with the cameras being so good. So to conclude this one, I'm not against clubs, I'm not against uh, clubs providing training for people and I join this myself sometimes but I also wish that more people thought about the possibilities on what you can do on your own outside of the club structures because sometimes those end up being so much more valuable and actually another example that's sort of related to the above which uh, I found to be true with uh, my own coaching because I mostly enjoy coaching technical details like beach volleyball technique basically like how to get your arm swing better how to actually learn to do those soft handsets how to actually not shank the service eaves etc etc and um, there's a very interesting dynamic in that which is that in group lessons group lessons are cheaper per person for you to hire me as a coach because you're basically splitting costs with, with more people. So it becomes cheaper. But the problem with group lessons is that I don't have time to go into the necessary details to change people's technique sometimes, because I have to think about the group and everyone getting their training in. So what I realized is that for certain players in certain with certain problems, if, if they wanna change their arm swing or something, they wanna learn to hit harder, it's actually cheaper for them to hire me for private lessons where I can tailor the whole lesson after what this player needs and not care about anyone else. <laughs> this, so let's say this lesson is now four times more expensive than a lesson that is shared by four people. 
two teams practicing against each other. It might be four times more expensive per session, but the value and ability to change the arm swing might be actually unlimited amounts of better because sometimes you simply cannot get into the details necessary in group lessons. So it's it's not only four times more more uh, efficient. It's not sixteen times. It's not thirty two times. It's it can be unlimited amounts of more efficient to do private lessons than group lessons because now you're allowing the coach to go into the details necessary without thinking about anyone else. And also, I realized it also works at a smaller scale. If you take a four person group versus a two-person group so basically a beach volleyball team with one coach versus two teams depending on what you're gonna work on this can also be more than twice uh, twice more efficient basically so so more than double uh, my English sucks uh, <laughs> it's it's double the cost if you're two versus four but it gives you more than twice the amount of value from the practice anyway, depending on what you're practicing. If you want to practice game situations against another team, then of course we need the other team to also be in the practice and then that becomes better. But sometimes it actually is better to go for the more quote-unquote expensive option. Okay, I have three more examples left here. Uh, The next one is going to be a little bit different from these other sort of career thinking ones this is more of a sports psychology thing in the game or also in practice and it's basically becoming angry when you make a mistake so we could argue that there is some value in becoming angry when you make a mistake it somehow on kind of a destructive level feels good to become angry i think a lot of people think that at least uh when you when you fuck up uh Actually, maybe some people might even get fired up and actually start playing better somehow from uh, from becoming angry from a mistake. I'm not one of these persons myself, but I know some people are wired sort of this way. So <clears throat> that's sort of individual. But there's a big cost to becoming angry when you make a mistake, which is it takes mental capacity to become angry. And this mental capacity you could instead use to understand what went wrong and learn for the future. Because if every single time you make a mistake, you become so trapped in being angry, then you don't get the opportunity to learn from these reps, because these reps can be your greatest teacher. So this is uh, maybe more for practices than games. It can also be for games. Depend. Some people think you shouldn't think too much while you play games and that's true i think you can think to a certain amount and people are a little bit different in how much they can think or how much they cannot think during a game Uh, so sometimes for some people this is also good advice during a game to just actually okay you made a mistake just have that quick second or two to think okay what went wrong what can i do next time to make this happen right rather than just becoming angry and sort of wasting that lesson Next example is having a coach or not. And uh, here we have to... So what is a coach or 
a coach or buying, for example, an online course about beach volleyball is also another type of basically you're you're paying money for volleyball information is is the trade that you're doing. And here we really have to because you can practice without this knowledge and become a better player. Uh, or you can decide to spend this money and have this guidance to hopefully become even more of a better player. Uh, <clears throat> and actually here you can start doing some math with uh, <laughs> your work, uh, your job. Uh, so let's say that the coach that you hire, uh, let's say you hire him or her for five sessions. And in these five sessions, you learn things that would have taken you two years of practicing on your own to figure out or to learn. Uh, extreme cases, it's going to be even more than that. It's going to be five years in, in five sessions. So you're paying some money for this coach for these five sessions. I uh, don't know how much it's going to be, but a few hundred dollars probably. Which is an amount of money. But if you go to work, you might be able to earn this $500 in, well, depending on what type of job you have, it's going to take different amounts of time. But it's not, it's, it's probably not going to take you five years to make that money up. So there then becomes an opportunity cost that a lot of people are unaware of in trying to figure these things out for quote unquote free without the help of a coach when that just makes you end up spending so much time trying to figure these things out. Of course, there's a big disclaimer here that the coach actually has to know what they're talking about because otherwise we, we end up in this false versus true um, guidance thing that we talked about in the beginning of this episode, one of the first examples, or if it was the first example. Uh, but as long as you have a coach that has accurate information, it's just way cheaper time-wise to go to work and make the money to pay for those lessons than to figure try to figure this stuff out on your own. Uh, it's it's kind of a mindfuck that you could be going to work and that's actually the best thing you can do to become a better beach volleyball player. Uh, but it's uh, that can actually happen. The last one I wanted to talk about is should you coach beach volleyball or not? So there's some um, for some people there's some obvious uh, not good sides of coaching or basically advantages of of not coaching which is for example if you don't have the time you you already have a full-time job and you have your family or whatever and you also want to train and that's just end of time uh, there is no time left over then if you also say yes to coaching gigs then you might be actually taking down from the time you're training yourself, which is which is probably not optimal. Uh, but there, for people that have more flexible schedules, there are some hidden benefits that I think a lot of people don't think about uh, in coaching, uh, which is when you teach other people, there's a lot of stuff for you to learn. <laughs> Both about your own game, how you play it. Uh, sometimes you have to f 
really think about what you're doing when you're playing uh, at a level that you normally never do and it becomes actually very insightful and then you have this like sometimes you even realize that hmm, I'm doing here something that I don't want to do <laughs> and then you get that insight and then you can go and change it you also notice how people learn new skills and how they don't learn new skills and that can also be like but wait ahead wait a second I'm I'm trying to learn these things in a way that these other people don't seem to learn anything so there's something wrong going on here there's just a coaching puts you in a lot of situations that you normally wouldn't be in and those situations can just simply teach you a lot about your game so there is uh, there is uh, advantages to not coaching and there's advantages to coaching uh, I kind of think it depends on your life situation in general uh, how much time you have how devoted you are to volleyball etc etc um, but yeah there for some people there's definitely an opportunity cost they're losing out on opportunities because they say no to coaching gigs all right so I hope that by now you have a better understanding of opportunity cost and hopefully some new new ways to think about this in in beach volleyball uh, specifically uh, I know sometimes these business or personal development concepts or whatever they might be they're sort of things that people and me and you have thought about kind of and sometimes you live like this sometimes you have examples like this but no one has really put them into clear words like opportunity cost is doing something that gives you value but because you're doing that you are then not being able to do something else that would give even more value according to me that's basically the definition of opportunity cost and uh, it's a sneaky one we do it all of the time at different levels and and we we are not aware of the other opportunities and etc etc so so it's really something to think about and it it works on multi-levels sometimes it's hyper complex to know what is best for one person and what is best for the other person you really <laughs> I've, I've, I've learned it's uh, you can give other people advice about this but you sometimes you really need to know their life situation their goals their hopes their dreams before you can give them advice I, I think this is one of the most common mistakes beach volleyball coaches do is they start giving advice before they know where the player wants to go uh, for example someone wants to get better at attacking I there's many ways to get better at attacking you could get smarter in your decisions with your current technique or you can start changing your technique to become you know technically better all of this depends on where are you going with your beach volleyball also sort of what's your personality what type of some people like changing techniques some people hate it some people want to just play and just get better at the decisions uh, and, and to make it even more complex some people you can change their minds about you can teach them how to get fascinated about technique change for example but then you you to be the, a really good coach i believe at least that you sort of need to ask the player these sorts of things and really analyze them and understand them before you start giving advice because otherwise you're going to give advice that yes it will help 
but there could be something that would help them even more. Uh, so yeah, it's a, this is a huge concept. I love it. I love the people that taught me it. Uh, let's, uh, let's hope that this stays in your mind also. Um, you can really apply it into more and more and more and more parts of your life. And it can make a huge difference in, in so many things if you think about it. Okay, so time for the last add-on into this episode. And this is going to be an interesting one because in a sense it's going to question the whole episode so far. So in the beginning of this episode I talked about this concept of opportunity cost helping me take decisions in life and, and daily life and, and all of that. And But the thing is, if we take opportunity cost to our hearts, like truly, then we need to also question if there is an opportunity cost to using the opportunity cost uh, concept to all of our decisions in life. Because the opportunity cost concept, especially if we use it in like multiple layers, it is a very brain intensive uh, way to take decisions. It just takes a lot of brain capacity. And we should question that and ask, is that brain capacity, is there some other way that that brain capacity could be used even better for taking decisions? So I'm not here to talk religion. I am not here to say I know how the world works. I'm just going to share another viewpoint to all of this, which is, I would call it a little bit of a spiritual idea. Again, spirituality doesn't have to have with any religion to do, but there's a lot of people that believe that sort of things happen for a reason and uh, the universe will show you what you need when you're ready for it and uh, sort of the universe is, is fine, everything is going as it should and uh, you can just receive this guidance and take your decisions based on that. And this is going to sound very woo-woo out there for especially for people that are very logical in their thinking and haven't experienced anything like this. And I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but basically the idea is that if you can get your mind into sort of a different state, then all of a sudden you're basically able to receive this guidance. You're able to see your life in a different way as it's unfolding and sort of see these signs and then you can just follow these signs and that leads to a beautiful life. And so I come from a very logical thinking background with uh, basically no spirituality at all. Uh, but I'm also a very open-minded person. So over time I have started to explore these sorts of things more and more because you know, some people really swear by this. Uh, even if they can't explain it, they really tell me that that this is the magic to life this is the secret to life so I'm just open-minded and I go okay hmm, let me try so what have I found out I have found out that some of these practices there's some truth to it and it feels magical when it works and it's it's truly it's like kind of difficult to explain but if it works it works and it, if it's magic it's it's really cool and what I also found is that actually, nowadays, science is starting to catch up to these practices. So this, this 
sort of theories that people have been talking about for thousands of years, nowadays modern scientists are actually starting to be able to explain why they work, which is really cool. So again, I know spirituality is a hot topic that will put some people off and, and whatnot. I'm not here to explain how the world works, but in my experience, I have found that hmm, there might actually be some validity to this, uh, which is why I wanted to include this add-on into this episode, just to provide some balance in the thinking, basically. And here's what I think. I don't think that it necessarily has to be one or another. I think the more tools we have to battle life, to battle volleyball, everything, the better. And actually, there's this movie, actually it's a book originally, Eat, Pray, Love, where this woman travels around the world to certain places. And in the end of the story, she's in Bali, which is also one of my favorite places on the earth. And in Bali, she, she meets this Balinese healer. And... Uh, this Balinese healer had this picture of a person or a god or I don't know what it was that had its feet steadily on the ground but his or her head sort of continued up into the sky, into the heavens. And the story of this picture was that according to this, this Balinese healer, for you to have a good life you need to be stable on the ground with your feet, which means you need to be here in this 3D world and do smart decisions, not be stupid and be logical and be reasonable. <laughs> but according to him, you also have to have this head that does go up in the sky and has some trust, is a little bit open-minded to other things and uh, doesn't always think so much. And I hope I'm not butchering this, this theory by him. I, I've never met this guy myself. But the way I interpreted it was that if you are only in your head, only thinking about the 3D world and taking decisions by, like that, then your life is not going to be optimal. Also, if you're only very woo-woo and you just trust and believe and whatever and don't look at reality around you you're also not going to have an optimal life but if you allow both of these balanced into your life that according to him is going to lead to a beautiful life so once more i'm not here to say this is how it is and this is how it isn't i'm just here to offer more perspectives and you can take it or leave it you can completely forget about it or you can let it be in the back of your mind and maybe someday in the future you will look more at this or not. Uh, that's completely up to you. But I personally don't believe that it has to be one or another, which is why I allowed myself to, in this episode, go very deep into the thinking side of things and optimizing your thinking brain. And you will also notice now when we go back to original recording that I'm really telling you to, to train this part of your brain to become really strong. But the point I wanted to make is that even if your thinking brain is very strong, there could be times when you should also switch it off. All right, let's continue. So really with this episode, I want to invite you to start thinking more like this. Start analyzing yourself and your actions more like this. Start analyzing your beach volleyball decisions more like this. And what you'll find is that <laughs> you might or, might or might not have had some aha moments today from listening to this episode. 
but you will have so much more of them basically for the rest of your life as long as you just wire your mind into starting to look for opportunity costs. Constantly spend, or not constantly, but every now and then sit down and think about am I doing the right thing now or is there something even better that I could be doing? And creating the habit of every now and then stopping and doing that is just so many times going to give you more efficient options that the long run uh, benefits are just uh, are just huge. Um, so yeah, you I believe you'll just get better and better at thinking like this the, the more you train it. Uh, I've given you some examples in this video and I took the, the most obvious ones, the ones that I found most interesting or, or most commonly see people uh, quote-unquote do wrong. Uh, but I could probably, I'm pretty sure that if I really, really fucking wanted, I could create a 10 hour long podcast with different examples of this for beach volleyball alone without looking at the rest of, at the rest of life. Uh, because there's so many, so many examples. Uh, and you will, yeah, you will find this too. You will just come up with more and more and more examples the more time goes when you have uh, switched your brain on in this way. But yeah, let's do something for the community and for our own benefit and everything, which is um, you probably have your own examples, uh, maybe already now, or maybe in the future, whatever. Uh, this podcast episode is going to be on the podcast, but I'm also going to post it on the YouTube channel. Uh, and in the YouTube channel, there is a comment section. So please go to the comment section and post your examples and read other people's examples of opportunity cost things that they have uh, experienced in their lives or that they have been thinking of uh, because this just gives us all an opportunity to learn even more from each other and uh, I get to learn also I I love reading these comments I I, <laughs> I kind of love the comment section on YouTube in, in general I learn so much and I get to get to connect with you guys it's uh, it's great uh, but the longer time goes and the more people listen to this episode and, and go and comment on it, the, the more valuable it will be for future listeners too, which is just great. All right, so you have just listened to the first solo episode on the Learn Beach Volvo Fast podcast. Uh, it's a bit of a historical moment, one that I've been looking forward to for actually for years. I've known so many years that I'm going to do this one day. And uh, now it's done. So that's amazing. I wanted to uh, kick off the podcast. So, uh, okay, the, the coronavirus pandemic has put a lot of trouble into, into my flow of doing this business. So there's been a lot of delays. But uh, since I kicked off the podcast, I wanted the first four episodes to be all of the types of episodes that you guys will hear in the future. So the first episode was an interview with someone that is not related to Beach Volleyball. Uh, in this case, the first episode was he's a golf guy. Uh, but basically just learning sort of like in this episode, taking concepts from business or personal development and applying them to Beach Volleyball. Uh, because this guy was just a sports hacker, uh, learned golf super fast. So, so I just listened to his lessons and tried to sort of talk with him and understand how I can apply this in beach volleyball. Uh, 
that's one of the type of uh, conversations or episodes I'm going to have on this podcast. The second type is with other beach volleyball coaches. Uh, that was what the second um, episode was, or at least second interview. Uh, and then there's going to be episodes where I interview players. Uh, and then there's going to be these solo episodes. So now I have uh, one example of each, which means that uh, it's amazing for me because now I can start releasing <laughs> whatever I want. I just wanted to have these types of episodes in order to kick this podcast off with. And then afterwards, we'll see uh, what I do most of. And, and um, I'll just take it as it comes. Anyway, um, another thing I wanted to say about this solo episode is that Feedback, feedback, feedback. Uh, what did you think about this? When I started the the YouTube channel, the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast YouTube channel, in the beginning, some of you guys that have been following me for the longest time were so helpful because you told me. Uh, you were not afraid to send me a message like, hey, Alex, this video here, the sound sucks, the the video, blah, blah, blah. You may, maybe you need to have some visuals, whatever it might be. You need to explain it more like this. And this feedback is so valuable for me because I want to create the best product or podcast or videos for you guys possible within still being me and and what I want to create with this project. But there's many ways for me to do that, to get this information out. I just want to make it as efficient as possible for you guys to to listen and consume to it. Uh, So... And this is a, this is a first time for me. I've never done a solo episode uh, before uh, and released it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> give me feedback. Is there is there something that irritated you? Is there something you think I should be doing differently? What not? I I did allow myself to to really go in depth. That was the point of creating this podcast. I have not been as brief as I've lately tried to be in the YouTube videos. <laughs> uh, I allowed myself to repeat some things. I allowed myself to elaborate, whatnot, because at least the way I listen to these types of podcasts is while I'm walking to practice or while I'm shopping in the store or while I'm cooking my food or whatever I might be doing. So... I personally don't mind when people take some extra time in the podcast. I personally don't mind when there's some of those extra details. Uh, I personally don't mind when it's not super efficient because there is value in this these stories and elaborations also. So, yeah, for this first episode, I just uh, unleashed the volley brain and didn't hold back much and... Uh, this is you just heard it uh, <laughs> you just experienced it uh, but of course if it is too much then just tell me and and I learn or if it was too little then tell me that or if there's something else that was in your mind then tell me that because I really want to learn and uh, and become better and uh, yeah I've done quite a lot of YouTube videos at this point hopefully I've gotten a lot better at making them from the beginning uh, some years down the road I will have made a lot more of these solo episodes as well. And uh, if you give me feedback, they're probably just going to get better and better and better.
So if you feedback also, you can send me a message, email, whatever, alex at learnb12fast.com or in the comment section on the YouTube video. Oh yeah, about the comment section, I'm going to put the link to the YouTube video of this episode also in the podcast uh, description. So if you're listening to this on the podcast and you want to find the comment section to share your opportunity cost examples, then you can just go to the description and you'll find it there. But yeah, I hope this, as always, has been an insightful experience. Good episode for you. Uh, I really appreciate every single help to grow this project. Uh, the faster this project grows, the more I can create these things for you guys. The coronavirus pandemic has put unimaginable amounts of uh, fuck-ups into my life. Uh, these rules have been really bad for me and and this business. Uh, so really anything like sharing this to people, uh, commenting on following me on YouTube, following the podcast, uh, signing up to my email list, uh, joining the Facebook group that I have. Uh, but mostly just talking about this project to people is is really the most helpful because that makes it uh, grow the most and uh, the more this grows the, the faster I can I can create this into what it needs to be because it just becomes easier and easier and easier so yeah if as always if this was valuable for you I'm super thankful super grateful if you decide to help me in any way and uh, no matter what, I hope that I hear or talk to you again soon in another episode, another YouTube video, uh, whatever it might be. I'm going to make both videos and these podcast episodes. And I hope you find both of them valuable. Um, yeah, that's it. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. Nope, I realized there are one more thing or two more things I, I want to say. One is, of course, if there's any questions about this uh, episode, uh, also write them in the YouTube comments for this episode. And I'm super happy to answer them. I love nerding out about this kind of stuff, as you can maybe tell. The other thing is, um, there was one of the examples that I talked about, which is training with false ideas about how the body learns. Uh, which I just concluded that that's stupid because that's not gonna <laughs> the the skills are not gonna transfer from your training to the game, which is sort of the the end goal, the point. Uh, on all the other examples, I think I sort of shared like what I think in solutions. Uh, on this one, I kind of left you hanging because I didn't talk about how to actually make these skills transfer. And um, I don't like leaving people hanging. Uh, so I wanted to say that I do have a solution for that. If that's something that you would be interested in. This is the topic of the first course that I'm going to release on this um, on this project. It's going to be a course that's going to be a free add-on to all of the skill courses. So for example, in the future, at this moment, I haven't created this yet. But in the future, if you buy, for example, the spiking course, then you're included in the spiking course. There's always going to be this course. It's going to be called uh, How to Become a Super Learner. I think that's what it's called. Um, which basically just explains a lot of things about how to maximize the usage time of your, of your practice. How to get these reps to transfer as well. As possible and a lot of other hacks also and actually if you know about these things if you're coaching if you if you listen to some other podcasts for example 
you might think that you already know this because there's a lot of talk about how to make this happen, a game-like transfer, whatever, all sorts of things. Uh, <clears throat> so there's a big group of people that think they know how to make things transfer. What I'm going to say is that what I'm teaching in my course, nobody else is teaching. Uh, this is stuff that I haven't heard in other podcasts that I didn't learn from, from something like that, which I found works even better. I have no interest in spending my time creating courses just repeating what someone else has told me. I'm only here to bring out fresh new information that I believe is better than the information already existing. So yes, if you struggle with uh, doing drills, doing skills in a broken down manner, and then these skills not transferring to the actual game, I have the solution for you. Uh, <laughs> so. If you would be interested in this, you can go to www.learnb12fast.com forward slash courses and uh, there's going to be more information there. All right, now I'm actually done. Uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon again and uh, let's keep learning the sport efficiently while having fun at the same time. Goodbye.